0: Brandon Ellis, who will be preaching this morning. Give him a round of applause, even right now, <laughs> amen. Um, Brandon has been a member here for 11 years, and what I love about Brandon is he's excited about the Word of God. He loves for students to come and study at Trinity as he himself is doing, and he loves to preach the gospel. So Brandon, let's get to it. Thank you, Brother Lloyd. welcome. Get that table for you. Thank you. Put this down here. Perfect, thank you. Hey, good morning everybody. Good morning. As Lloyd said, my name is Brandon Ellis. Um, <clears throat> I've served on the High Point Church staff here for approximately eight years in a full or part-time capacity. You know, and currently I direct the seminary site for Trinity right here at High Point where local students um, ministry professionals and lay leaders can get theological training without having to uproot their families and move down to uh... deerfield illinois uh, for studies and you know what i am thankful to worship the lord here with you guys this morning you know i am very excited about what god is doing in our midst here are you guys excited i mean i'm amped i mean i'm excited that God is working here in our transition, like a new pastor with a radiant Florida tan, I mean uh, elders that are refocused, and um, a sense of motion in our community 's life here uh, moving forward to what God has for us you know when we 're all in this transition together, and so regardless of whether this is your first Sunday here at High Point Church or you 've been part of this community since it began 50 years ago. Um, God has brought us together this morning, and it's not by accident. You know, we've come here um, to seek and to worship God, and we've come from many different locations, you know, physically and mentally. You know, we've been transitioning from work week to weekend uh, to worship together this morning. And, you know, transition, um, when simply put, um, as a definition, it's just a, a movement from one stage uh, to another. And when we think about it, we're all in various uh, transitions in our lives right now. You know, often major transitions uh, are seasons in our life. And some, some common ones are maybe some of you guys are new to town. You know, maybe some of you are learning the lay of the land in Madison or Wisconsin, you know, eating some cheese and searching for a home church. Um, you know, some of you might be between jobs. You know, with a tough economy, you know, and you're, or you're starting a new one or, or you're finishing a current one that you've, you've been working on. Um, some of you are, you know, between grades in school. You know, summer vacations winding down. I don't want to say it, but it is. You know, or became, between educational milestones. And some of you guys who are going back to school will be going back as junior hires instead of, instead of elementary kids. Or you could be going back as senior hires instead of junior hires or you'll be graduating from senior high, released off into the next steps of adult life. Um, Others, you know, you're in a relational type of a transition right now, right? Like, either through a recent breakup, or marriage, or divorce, or other kind of relational situation. And you know, in addition to a transition being defined by kind of seasons in life, transition can also be a specific point in our life, or a specific moment when nothing else will be the same going forward. And these moments, they're often characterized by either intense emotional exhilaration, injury, or just plain confusion, right? You know, moments like weddings and graduations, you know, new job, new home, becoming a parent, you know, trusting Christ as savior. These things can elicit soaring heights of exhilaration, right? Just make us so excited. You know, yet things like breakups and car accidents and other injuries and illness and death of loved ones, these can carry an intense weight of injury in us. You know, but transition points in our lives, they don't all have to be so serious, right? Like, remember your first home computer? You know, or or maybe your first cell phone in your pocket or in your purse? Life's never been the same after that. You know, or remember signing your your life away to AT&T for using an iPhone? Your life has never been the same. You know, and I remember when I was in high school, uh, my parents gave me a Sega Genesis video game system for my birthday. You know, when I first put in that Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge and I flipped on the power and it went, Sega, my life was never going to be the same. I knew it. And my wife can vouch for that. (laughs) So, So regardless of the level of exhilaration or injury, you know, all transitions, they involve like a A mixing up, you know, of what we know to be normal and steady and secure. You know, transitions, they turn the hopes and fears and passions and longings of our hearts from the core of who we are. You know, in so doing, these transitions in our lives, they create opportunities um, that would not otherwise happen. They awaken in us like a new awareness of ourselves and of our surroundings and of the people in our lives you know in like hard earth you know churned up with a garden tiller you know there's no going back to how things were you know life will never be the same and so if we really stop to think about it transitions are happening constantly right life big and small major and minor they're all happening there's a lot of overlap so if you guys take your hands this morning kind of put them together like this in front of your face kind of put those pointer fingers together and point all your fingers towards each other you can kind of see and look right down the middle that you know you probably see some overlap in your ring finger, your middle finger, I mean, you're some gap in your little fingers, and big gap between your, your thumbs and your, your pointer fingers are abutting. And if you think about that, looking right down the middle, that's kind of the point of where you are now. And that's how transitions work in your lives. You're going through multiple ones. Some have just ended, some are beginning. Some will begin in the future. Some have ended a while ago. Um, but you're going through all va- various stages of transition at this moment. And so transition, it's where you've been. Transition, you know, it's where you are going. But transition is where you are presently, living in transition. You know, each moment of your life is lived in transition. And as such, you know, transitions are, are temporary, right? You know, every job and every paycheck you have is temporary, right? Every job is temporary. You either get a new job, you know, like you get quit, laid off, or fired, or you retire, Like, it's temporary. Whether you're there a week or 30 years, it's temporary. There's always, there's a season for it. And, you know, because transitions are temporary, you know, you need to be aware of their unique place in your life. You know, there's tremendous opportunity for God to work in your transition. And so the main idea this morning is that transition puts you in a unique position to respond to Christ. Transition puts you in a unique position to respond to Christ. Um, And we're going to look this morning at a passage that my brother Lloyd read um, in Luke chapter 3. You know, Scripture teaches us that John the Baptist, he ministered during a time of great transition in the nation of Israel. Jesus' ministry and his own life. And this morning we're going to see what we can learn from John about his unique position of transition and how he responded to Christ. And so just a little bit of background here. You know, Luke's gospel, and um, if I say gospel, you guys know what I mean by that? Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, first four books of the Bible of the New Testament tells us the story of the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, God's salvation plan for us. Um, Luke's gospel, as opposed to Matthew's, like Matthew kind of talks about stuff that, really connects with a Jewish audience. Like, he's got a lot of details in there that they really connect with. Whereas where Luke's gospel, <clears throat> excuse me, his contains language and elements that lend a more universal appeal to it. Um, people who are not Jewish in background understand Luke's gospel a lot more readily. You know, he writes, that Luke writes to capture, you know, the, the breadth and the historical story of Jesus. You know, only Luke records the parallel births of John the Baptist in Jesus, in his gospel. Sorry, Sorry, I can't do the uh, patented Nick Gibson power chug this morning. Let's just say, it would ha- for me, it would have um, physiological ramifications. <laughs> so. so John the Baptist, <clears throat> he lived during a turbulent political time in Israel's history. You know, when the Roman Empire, they controlled Palestine in the first century? You know, the Romans ruled... <clears throat> but they allowed provincial Jews to rule under them as long as, you know, taxes were paid and orders were kept. You know, and that's where the Tetrarchs come in, the Herods. You know, and the, the Jewish people, you know, they're waiting a deliverer, the Messiah, as prophesied in the Old Testament. And many of them were, you know, looking for someone and hoping for someone that was kind of a political or a military um, ruler. You know, someone who would kind of come in and, like, kick the Romans out. You know, and at many times, there seemed to be someone who fit the bill. You know, someone who had kind of rose to some type of power and prominence, who gathered followers, and who led an insurrection against the Romans. And there were a lot of these types of revolts and during this season in time. But, you know, every one of them was squashed by Rome's iron fist. Rome was in control. So enter John. John was out preaching in the desert. You know, it wasn't a sea of endless sand dunes. But it was kind of out far from the center of things. But people noticed him. It took effort to get to the area, but large crowds of people regularly gathered to be baptized by John in the dirty Jordan River. And John was like stirring the pot. You know, he was calling out the hypocrisy of the Jewish religious establishment. He was preaching repentance, gathering followers. You know, some of people began to believe that John might actually be the one. The Jewish Messiah who would free them from Rome's evil grip and restore the nation of Israel. Enter Jesus, the actual Messiah, and Jesus' public ministry comes on the scene. Jesus' presence increases and John's naturally must decrease. You know, so we can see that John lived in a time of great transition. So let's take a look and see what we can learn here for John's transition. So if you haven't already, please open your Bibles to Luke 3, 1-22. That's on Pew Bible, page 1593. 1593. And so I've got kind of three main ideas to kind of go over with you guys this morning. And they're all sort of interrelated and they all kind of build upon each other. Um, so let's, um, let's begin here. The first thing that we observe about John during this transition is that he knows Scripture. You know, we can see this in numerous places in this passage. For example, John understands the prophecy of Isaiah as quoted in, you know, verses 4 to 6 here. You know, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. You know, John knows from Scripture that he is that one, calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And in verse 3-6, you know, we read that all mankind will see God's salvation. You know, this is confirmed in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. And that reads slightly different and that says and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So from scripture John knows that God's salvation is for all mankind. However John also makes the connection from Isaiah 40 verse 5 that everybody will see the glory of the Lord and that glory of the Lord is revealed through Jesus Christ. Salvation is for all peoples. In addition, john tells the people that far beyond his own baptizing with water the christ who is to come the messiah will baptize with the holy spirit with fire we see that in verse 16. john understands imagery and concepts from old testament prophecy and including god's wrath is not uniquely for non-jewish people but for everyone whose heart is far from god You know what, and when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what's the imagery? Tongues of fire, Holy Spirit when he comes, when he comes. And so from the big picture here presented in Luke's gospel, you know, we know that salvation is only found in Jesus. And indeed, God's glory is revealed during the baptism event of Jesus. You know, John, he recognizes Jesus as the true Messiah who the Old Testament prophets pointed towards. And as such, he's present for the awesome Trinitarian event of Jesus' baptism, where he hears the Father's voice, encounters Jesus' physical presence, and sees the Holy Spirit's powerful descent. That, my friends, most definitely has to be the definition of the word. Awesome! I mean, what a unique position to be in to respond to Christ. Amazing! I mean, it just blows my mind. Sorry if I get excited. I get kind of amped when I teach Scripture. Um, So in this transition, John knows Scripture. And we need to know Scripture, too. You know, this is a huge point. Gargantuan. When transition, when going through transition. You know, and it helps us lay the basis for how to respond to Christ. You know, Scripture's our foundation. Scripture's our baseline for understanding who God is, our relationship to him, and how we find place, a place in this life. You know, each one of you, you have some type of understanding, you know, who God is, and that level of understanding has tremendous impact on your life. You know, we're all kind of theologians in that sense, right? Um, For a while in college, you know, I attended a campus Christian fellowship where it seemed like everybody could quote scripture. Like the person up in front speaking would just say, I'm in this verse, and somebody in the audience would quote it. I mean, it blew my mind. It was completely unreal. Um, But as I kind of think back on that, i'm not sure the verses that they were asking to quote were all that obscure i just didn't know scripture very well you know and if you don't know scripture you know you'll tend to pull your ideas about god about christ god's salvation plan from whatever source sounds good and pervasive at the time good and persuasive you know they're, they're voices that command our attention you know they speak prominently and they speak loudly you know, but sometimes they don't deserve to be heard. You know, we often confuse volume with authority. And as Christ followers, you know, we need to know Scripture. And we know Scripture that it's the only authority um, when it comes to God, salvation, and life practice. Everything else need to be, needs to be based on Scripture, and it builds from Scripture. You know, so if you're going to be a, a good theologian in life, you need to be grounded in Scripture. Claiming Christ as Savior and Lord, and clinging to those truths when the churning forces of transition upturn your life. The second thing that we learn here from John in this transition is that he understands who he is and what God is calling him to do. Now, we can break these two things apart, but they're very interrelated. Like when you understand who you are, you have a better understanding of what God is calling you to do. And when you have an idea of what God is calling you to do, you have a better understanding of who you are. They're kind of related in that way. Um, But what we see from John here is that he not only knows who he is, but he knows who he isn't. You know, remember verse 4 in chapter 3 there? The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. He's that guy. But we also see in verse 5 that the crowds, the people that are wondering maybe John's the Christ but later we see in verse 16 to 18 that you know John basically tells him he's like you know I'm not the Christ he's coming in the future he's coming soon you know so John understands he's not their savior you know and Scripture is the basis that informs John of who he is and who he is not John also understands what God is calling him to do you know he knows he's a prophet and that God has been placed that God has placed him in a particular position to minister in the transition to Jesus' public ministry. He's in there doing work, son. And John is preparing the way for Christ by preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We see that in verse 3. Now don't get it twisted. John's not actually thinking that he has the authority to forgive sins himself. But, you know, he's stirring that pot, you know, during a turbulent time in Israel's history. You know, he even points out and calls out to the crowds and says, Brood of vipers! You know, like imagery, you know, remember the Indiana Jones movies where Indiana Jones falls in a tomb and all the snakes are slithering all over each other and hissing and biting and, you know, just kind of that imagery of this chaos. But, you know, John's primary goal is to prepare the people's hearts for their Savior and to reveal that Savior to them. Because John understands who he is and who he's calling, God's calling him to be, he recognizes Jesus out of the crowd as the Christ the Messiah, the one who will take away the sin of the world. And John fulfills his calling by baptizing Jesus. Just amazing event, amazing. Now, those of you who are astute with scripture study will probably say, Brandon, hold up. You know, John, Jesus, they're cousins. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. They probably knew each other growing up. Of course John's going to recognize Jesus. You know, they're related. Yeah, but maybe they hadn't seen each other in a long time. You know, if, if they saw each other as little kids, and now they're in their early 30s, um, they, they might not recognize each other, you know. And John might have been looking, not looking for his cousin, but looking for the Savior. And he saw that first in Jesus. And so Jesus' baptism by John, it marks the start of the public ministry of Jesus. You know, but even John doesn't know the full extent and scope and details of what Jesus' ministry role will look like. You know, in the transition, you know, John's public ministry role changes dramatically. You know, he ends up getting locked up in prison. And we'll have more on that in a minute. And so in transition, for us, know who you are and know what God is calling you to do. And let me ask you straight up this morning, do you understand who you are? Do you understand what God is calling you to do? Not in the future, not in the past, right now, in this moment, during your current life transitions? How is God stirring your heart toward Him? How is the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ? And so we need to understand who you are. Who you are in relation to Christ. And Scripture lays the foundation for this. For helping you understand who you are in relation to Christ. That due to sin and selfishness everybody falls short of God's holy standard but that by his love, God sent Christ to live, die, and rise again Uh, to anyone who believes through faith. And by his grace, um, God brings freedom and a forgiveness of sin, drawing the believer to himself, completing a beautiful work of redemption in him through the power of the Holy Spirit, as his character is continually shaped into that of Christ. And the scripture describes those who have not claimed Christ as Savior as lost without him. So do you know where you are today in relation to Christ? Is Christ your Savior, or are you lost without him? If you don't know Christ as Savior, I encourage you, don't ignore the moment that God has for you here, the opportunity he's giving you in your current life transition to respond to him. You know, and if you've already claimed Christ as Savior and Lord, do you desire to grow more like him in character and taking every opportunity to do so, even when times are confusing? Also, we need to know who we are in relation to others. You know, transitions, they're the best time to examine yourself in relation to the people around you. You know, and who you are in relation to Christ needs to be clearly demonstrated to the people around you. You know, and they need to see that Christ is making an authentic difference in your life. You know, and they need to know that Christ can make a real difference in theirs. You know, claiming Christ as Savior and Lord in one moment and then in the next refusing to let him produce good fruit in your life, it's a charade. You know, it's sort of like purchasing a Prius and not putting a Mac sticker on it. You know, like, are you, are you there really? I mean, but, but seriously, like, remember, you know, Scripture teaches us in James 2 that your faith, it's demonstrated by what you do. You know, and that is best confirmed in and through your relationships with, and interactions with others. You know, my wife and I, we try to pray before meals, whether at home or in public, and we do a pretty good job of consistently doing that. Probably better at home than in public, but sometimes we have friends over from neighbors or coworkers or things, and you know, when we invite them over, we always pray before meals. I mean, if you can't do it in your own home, I mean, when are you gonna do it, really? And so, we had a couple over from my workplace, you know, not believers, but we prayed before the meal, and afterwards, the wife said, "Whoa! she's like, I just felt this like, intense warmth in my heart. And I was able to say, you know what? That warmth was probably the Holy Spirit. You know, we believe in the God of the Bible, um, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. And that was probably his Holy Spirit working on you in your, in your heart at that moment. And so it gave us that opportunity, you know, to, to share just a little bit about who God is and who we are uh, in relation to him. You know, all you also need to understand, you know, what is God calling you to do? You know, this is a biggie. You know, you get into all sorts of things like God's will and details and it can be kind of difficult to discern. But you know what? When you understand who you are, it gives you a better foundation for understanding what God is calling you to do. And now, oops. You know, you guys are all in a unique position. I mean, look around this room. You know, there has to be roughly maybe... 250, 300 of us here maybe. You know, and your unique set of transitions in life in combination with who you are, puts you in a unique position that's very different from everybody else. You know, my workplace is going through a transition. I not only work part-time here at High Point, but I, I work, my day job is managing the administrative services of an environmental engineering company in town. You know, and in, for one of their business units. You know, the whole company right now, you know, they're implementing like this financial reporting system, this new thing. You know, and it's a major transition for everybody. You know, and actually it's just a killer headache. Like imagine the worst headache you've ever had, okay? And just kind of set that thought on the shelf. And then imagine driving down the road, down on Johnson Street in Fordham, kind of near Kraft, and the railroad track barriers come down, and you see that train go across the tracks, and then it's like 80 cars long, and you, you know because you've counted them all and it's getting right to the caboose, and it stops, and then it backs up over all the tracks, you know? And then it goes forward. You know, imagine taking the worst headache you've ever had and laying it on the tracks when that train just is going back and forth over it. You know, that's what this is actually like. You know, and tons of people have been confused and upset about this transition at my workplace for months. You know, and I work right in their midst. You know, there's no hiding. You know, I'm right there. But I know that I'm a follower of Christ. You know, and in this particular transition, I have a choice. You know, I can go along with a majority, you know, and continue the criticism and backbiting and past pining, you know, or, or since I'm in a unique place of understanding in this whole thing, you know, I can step in to help, help be a helpful bridge for my team members. I can make their jobs easier. I can show kindness to the people who are working in the most stressful job roles, who are having, we're getting chewed on left and right by everybody, you know, and I know that this transition to my company won't last forever, you know, but I'm in a unique position to show kindness to people that greatly need it. And so we also have to understand here, too, that what God is calling you guys can do, it can change. You know, life's full of transitions, and they they change with the seasons in your lives. You know, sometimes we get too lost searching for the details, and we just kind of miss the larger picture, Right? Like, for example, you know, if when you have a child, your your calling changes. You know, you've transitioned into being a father or a mother. You know, you might not want to be a parent, or you might experience frustration in trying to be a good parent, but God has certainly called you to be a parent. You know, I'm right there right now. I've got a two-year-old, a daughter, you know, and recently it was just brought to my, you know, attention that maybe we should be a little creative with her and we can spell daddy, D-A-D-D-I-E with a little heart over the eye. You know, that's a major transition for me, but I put the, 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 uh, the no on that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, another example, you know, you know, when you guys are graduating, you know, you graduate from junior high and move on to senior high, God's called you to be a high schooler. You're no longer in the season of junior high anymore. You know, and discernment in in your career and stuff, it it also um, requires an understanding of God's calling. You know, I worked 10 years ago as a dietitian. I majored in nutrition, um, believe it or not. And I worked for the WIC program, the Women, Infants, and Children program, um, the government program that provides, like, uh, food and nutrition services for pregnant and breastfeeding women. And so I assessed risk factors, counseled pregnant and breastfeeding women, As a 23-year-old single guy right out of college, mind you. And a couple of my coworkers were like, Brandon, you seem to really enjoy this. You know, you should really, really consider a career as a lactation consultant. (laughs) And I said, well, you know, thank you. I'm flattered by your encouragements, but I really don't believe that's what God is calling me to do. It's best for me and best for everybody involved. So kind of exercise some discernment, you know, in in what God is calling you to do. The third thing here we learn from John in this transition, you know, it's it's the need to watch for bad roots that are growing. In order to unpack this idea a little bit further, you know, we need a few more details of maybe God's or John's stay in prison. So let's flip in scripture to Luke chapter seven. Verses 18 to 23. It's only a few pages further in Luke. And so this passage reads, John's disciples told him about these things. You know, what Jesus had been doing. Um, calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one to come, or should we expect somebody else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John which you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So we know from Scripture that, you know, Jesus, he had disciples. But, you know, John, he also had disciples. He sent two of them, you know, to ask Jesus, you know, if Jesus is the one or if there's going to be somebody else. You know, and Jesus' reply includes, you know, some of the miracles he had been doing and such things were prophesied in scripture. You know, John should be aware of those things. You know, but check out verse 23, where it's Jesus says, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Does that kind of put a red flag in your head? Like, hold up, you know, like, did John just ask that? I mean, does John, is he, is he doubting? I mean, the same John who knows scripture, who understands who he is and what God is calling him to do? Uh, I mean the dude who recognizes Jesus as the Messiah and baptizes him? I mean could it be that John's transition was causing his doubt to emerge? Perhaps John knew you know that Jesus was coming, but maybe once Jesus was on the scene, Jesus' ministry looked different than what John was expecting, and that had ramifications for what John's looked like I mean. Think about it. I mean, John had this thriving public ministry where people were coming to him and he was talking to people and baptizing them and gathering followers and all this. And now he's in jail. You know, while Jesus' ministry is growing, he's gathering disciples. He's accomplishing God's purposes. You know, John was also in the face of the Herods, you know, hence his stay in prison and eventual beheading. You know, however, isn't it kind of crazy that Jesus doesn't go rescue John. I mean, John, like the uber pre-disciple, you know, who, like, is waiting for Jesus, actually, looking for him, sees him, baptizes him, knows scripture, all that. You know, but yet, John goes to prison, and Jesus goes the other way. I mean, what's going on? You know, and Jesus and John, they have this conversation through two of John's disciples that had met John in prison and went to Jesus. I mean, Jesus doesn't even go up to prison to visit John. You know, and, and... Are John's doubts legit? I mean, John's transition, it's full of physical and emotional stress and anguish. You know, as like his transition churns the soil of his heart. You know, and even he's susceptible to bad roots growing. And so watch for bad roots, friends. Now, many of you have a garden of some sort. You know, when it's time to plant seeds, bulbs, or other good green growing stuff, you know, you need to mix up the soil, make some loam, You know, loam, you know what that is? It's that perfect mixture of like sand, silt, and clay. You know, Pokemon players should know loamy soil is the place where the best stuff grows. You know, but even hard earth, you know, it can be stirred up and it can become soft and fertile. Here's a picture of some loam. You know, it's that dirt that just kind of goes right through your fingers that you can squish the roots down in and water and and stuff grows. You know, in the same way, you know, that, you know, transitions, they can break up the hard earth in our lives. The hard earth of the familiar, and in so doing, they bring to the surface the hopes and fears and passions and uglies, you know, that have been lurking just out of view. You know, transitions, they create tremendous opportunities for us. You know, loamy soil, it's really fertile. Good stuff can thrive, but evil stuff can take root too. So watch for bad roots in your transitions. You know, since you guys are each in an individual unique position in your transition you know bad roots they'll take many different forms however generally bad roots involve some combination of your head and your heart getting out of step with each other the relational head and the emotional heart you know they need to each have one leg in the potato sack on the three-legged race you know you can't run the race when one is breaking away from the other you know and these dudes are they're trying to win it i mean they're in it together And so make sure to watch your heart without losing your head. You know, for example, in in a marriage relationship, the stress of transition of things like money and careers, children, other family members, other family relationships, these can bring out a wonder to sort of test the waters outside of your marriage bond. You know, and some folks even convince themselves that God is leading them to do this. You know, but don't laugh about that. Don't chuckle in your head. People do this kind of stuff all the time, you know, and there's probably people here this morning that are just starting to think like that, you know, but we know from scripture, you know, that God has great disdain for adultery. He doesn't like it, you know, and you may think that you want to, you know, have a cheat on your spouse. But remember, you know, God desires that you don't, no matter how bad things are at home in your transition. Instead, in your transition, God is presenting you with an opportunity to romance your spouse, to move together in marriage unity that creates something beautiful, noble, and true. Now on the flip side, remember to watch your head without losing your heart. Sometimes when your head runs away from your heart, you can start projecting your failures and your frailties um, upon God. You know you start to rationalize your doubt right and it's easier easy to do right i wasn't expecting god to work i wasn't expecting my life to turn out this way so god must not care about me you know insert your tough life transition there you know and and yeah bad stuff happens in life and it can be hard and we don't know why but you know what how will you respond to christ when it does how will you seize that opportunity you know on the surface Sometimes God accomplishing his purposes in your life can at times look like failure for you and for God. You know, but this is especially true in times of transition and change. But you know what? God's purposes for you may look different than what you expect. You know, I moved to Madison 11 years ago to do an internship in clinical nutrition at the University Hospital. You know, I haven't worked as a dietitian in 10 years And it wasn't because of the lactation consultant thing. But God, you know, he's worked for various reasons. He's worked in my transition here. You know, I never would have seen this moment coming 10 years ago. But God has worked in my heart and brought me to this place and time where he has prepared me to share this moment with you guys. And I never could have imagined it at all. So friends, remember that God, he never fails at accomplishing his purposes. Even in a difficult transition, you always have the choice to reject God's purposes for you, letting uh, roots of doubt and injury and confusion grow, you know, or you can embrace God's purposes for you, responding to Christ in faith, hope, and love. So in conclusion this morning, you know, transition puts you in a unique opportunity to respond to Christ. Christ. You know, John had a unique position in the transition to Jesus' public ministry. And remember, you're in a unique position in your own transition in life. And how are you going to respond to Christ in that transition? Through knowing scripture, through taking every opportunity to know God, know who he is, know his word, lay the foundation in your life. Through understanding who you are and who you're not, and what God is calling you to do, exercising discernment. You know, and through watching for bad roots that want to grow in that fertile soil of transition in your lives. So transition, it's always temporary, right? And if you're not careful, you can neglect this fertile soil that's been stirred up in your life, and you can miss the resulting opportunities for good growth that God will graciously provide you during that time. So imagine if together that we all responded to Christ in our transitions by desiring to know Scripture, we come to understand together who God is calling us to be and who, what God is calling us to do as the body of Christ in Madison to impact this community and the world for him. And together, by watching for bad roots in each other's lives, we can discourage their growth in the fertile, loomy soil of our lives while God grows something simply beautiful in the midst of our transition. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this time this morning to look at your word, to see how John responded in his transition, to see the difficulties that were there. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts with your Holy Spirit to fill us this morning, to give us a desire to know your word, to know scripture to know who we are in relation to Jesus, and what you are calling us to do. God, give us the courage to watch for bad roots in our lives. Um, put people in our lives, Lord, that can help um, pull those out for us. And God, I pray especially this morning for those people who, who don't know Christ as Savior. I pray that you just stir in their transition, in their heart this morning, a, a longing to, to be with you a longing to be like you, and that you would just work there and give them the courage to respond. And for those who already know Christ as Savior here this morning, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us an excitement to be more like you, that you would fill us with your Spirit and that you would grow good fruit in our lives that would be demonstrated um, through our relationships with others, Lord. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this place, Lord. And thank you for providing opportunities for us to respond to Christ, Lord. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.